boomers in that generation to keep them accustomed to the standards of living that they were naturally, I mean, they've worked hard for. But how do they now, how do the powers that be encourage them to take that risk again? I mean, they've already been burned twice. How are they going to get them to get back into the market again? Well, look, when I speak to, to guys in the pension industry or the brokerages houses, I mean, I've been out for drinks with a lot of them. They openly admit that Look, Wall Street, with a sleight of hand, they're now encouraging people by saying, OK, look, in, within people's pensions, let's just reduce the fees. Let's make everything is free, basically. Uh, and you'll see a lot of the pension companies out there are now in a race to the bottom on, on all their front pages of the websites, um, looking to offer the lowest rates. But as we all know, there's no such thing as a free lunch. Um, this has basically led to all this passive indexation in everyone's pensions and i can't i can't imagine most of most people know exactly what equities they're exposed to it's now creating the next bubble and just to reaffirm this isn't private individuals with their own ices or what have you taking these risks they're not willing to do it it's the pension funds who are taking it all and they're still getting paid they're still making their commission so right now um all the baby boomers capital is essentially sitting at the highest valuation we have ever seen since 1929, and that's the Great Depression. Yet there is still a massive shortfall of about 38 to 40 percent in the average pension plan if everyone wants to retire at 65. Even when the equity markets are almost as high as they were over COVID, um, I mean they're at record highs. So there's there's this herd mentality in the industry, um, and the choice is being made for you by somebody else being reckless and irresponsible with your money. They don't even know what they're putting in it half the time. If you just look at the FANG stocks, for example, um, so obviously Facebook, Amazon and everything else, um, together, I mean, five technology software companies, they're larger than the size of the German economy at the moment. Um, and the pension companies, they're not even thinking critically about this. They don't really care. They just join the herd and say, well, look, the index is going up. We're fine. Everyone's in the same boat. Um, everything's going to be tickety-boo. The market always goes up. And, and look, equities aside, it doesn't even end there either because add to that all the corporate debt that they've also started buying. Um, look, credit defaults this year have already started to double this month to levels that we've not seen since look, the worst days of the COVID crash. That's a recipe for disaster. Look, junk bonds are defaulting at 3.5% at the moment. It's not massive. But the acceleration and the rate at which they've actually increased, that's the thing to look at. Um, so, look, I, some of the baby boomers out there at the moment currently probably in about their 70s. Um, I'm sure there might even be some listening to, to this, but they've started selling. They're currently fine. They're the first ones out the gate. Um, but as a result, every pension company is, look, they're having to chase these higher returns and they just don't simply exist in the market. As more and more people pile on and sell, where can these pension companies turn? I mean, you can't blame them. They, Well, look, they turn to the guilt market, government bonds. Um, and the majority of your audience uh, are going to have, they're going to have these in their pensions. Depending on how old they are will depend on their allocation. But the majority of their pension is going to be bonds. Um, and they're yielding about 3% at the moment, if you look at a 10-year bond in someone's pension. Obviously, that can't even keep ahead of inflation. The official figures at 10 percent, let alone what it's actually standing at. So in order to promise you these returns that all the pension companies put out in their brochures, they venture further and further 
out the risk curve by um, by using these bonds. So these are their biggest and safest assets, if you like, and they use them as collateral in the derivatives market. Uh, and just to, look, in case anyone listening doesn't know what that is, this is where they bet on the direction of a low volatility asset like a bond, very, very low yielding, very safe, according to the market. And they use massive leverage. So loans, um, they're essentially using your bonds as a deposit, which were exposed many times over. And no one quite knows how how much they leverage those out. But again, that's another topic. Um, and, and this is all happening at a time which is priced to perfection with everybody's retirement capital. Never before have they sat on such big sums of money. Now, yeah, basically, that leads us now to, to last year when Quasi Quartang obviously didn't last very long, but he announced those tax cuts and the industry that they didn't see it coming at all. They got complacent. They weren't prepared for it at all. Um, and there's, there's a famous economist, I don't want to bore everyone again, called Hyman Minsky. And he said this years and years and years ago, when people see low financial risk in the industry, what this does is it induces them to increase their risk taking. Uh, and that's exactly what they did in kind of September, October last year. Um, but the long and short of it is that the market, it nearly imploded because of that. All the pension funds nearly went insolvent overnight as they all tried to sell their bonds as interest rates were going up. Um, they used everyone's bonds as collateral, as collateral your bonds. Uh, so inevitably, uh, of course, the Bank of England had to step in and buy, I think it was 65 billion, 65 billion of gilts. Um, and if they hadn't, the pension funds would have seized up and people wouldn't be able to withdraw anything, basically. Uh, if you look at the volatility at that time, it was unprecedented. We'd never seen anything like it. It was three times worse than what you'd expect in some kind of back end emerging African country. 10-year bonds dropped by 20%. That is absolutely unheard of. So that aside, we're, we're now facing a vertical wall of retirees. Every day they retire, the system is getting worse. And we're already two years beyond the average age of the bulk of boomers. So look, what, what happens when it happens again, as it always inevitably does? What, what's going to happen next? So... Inevitably, the, the Bank of England, they're going to have to prop up the pension industry again and buy everything that these pension funds desperately need to sell. There's, there's going to be a huge gap uh, be, between what the millennials um, want to pay, so people in their, their 30s, early 40s, uh, and what the boomers um, want to sell it at, um, which is going to be far, far too wide for the Bank of England to clear. So what there's going to be, guys, there's going to be a massive clearing issue, which is going to seize up every pension fund just before all the, uh, the, well, the majority of the boomers can rush for the doors and, and exit. Um, so look, if, if you can get ahead of this, brilliant. But not everyone will. It's just a fact. And on top of that, uh, as a, a lot of you may be aware as well, when people retire at 55, they can take a 25% tax-free drawdown um, from their pension, which is going to leak yet more money out of the system. I think it was 4.2, 4.5 billion, something like that. So I think it's going to happen a hell of a lot quicker than people even think. No one saw what happened at the end of last year. I certainly don't think they've got any idea what's coming uh, over the horizon. So basically, it's going to be about investing out of the usual sphere of influence, if you like, that the pension companies are offering you. Now, look, you can't put your money into crypto. Pensions won't go anywhere near it. It's so unregulated that we all saw what happened to FTX and everything else. Um, 
but you're still going to have to make a choice whilst not following the crowd. So everyone has just got their money passively in standard pensions. And looking at the smart money flow index, um, that life raft isn't property anymore as it was back before 2008. This is gold. So I don't want to promote it too much, but looking at gold in the industry at the moment, almost no major pension company at all, the ones that are available to you and I anyway, have a portfolio um, manager focused on gold. The infrastructure doesn't exist. It's just not there. So they can't make any money out of it anyway, short of, like I said to you before, sitting outside of the vault under armed guard. There's no way they can profiteer from it. So they've got a very small minority of ETFs, and, and that's basically just paper gold. It doesn't exist. But their weighting to gold at the moment is only 0.15 of 1%. It's nothing. Um, and according to the, yeah, it was the OECD's recent data, um, Global pension assets, I think they were worth 55, 56 trillion. So if you just take a step back, what happens when these pension funds finally decide to wake up, um, get their heads out the ground and, and think, right, let's just allocate 1% of, these, of our portfolios into precious metals? Well, look, even half a percent or two thirds of 1%, if you want to be more conservative about it, well, that would be about... 370 billion um that that amount just to put it into context guys, that that amount of money could buy every single share of gld all the gold mining companies in the world and with the scraps left over it could buy every single etf as well every single exchange traded fund which is paper gold so in short basically what i'm saying is there is a lot of money out there a hell of a lot of it and not a lot of tradable gold the physical stuff anyway so a bit of fag packet math that I did earlier, if you if you configure that out, it puts the price of gold at about eight thousand dollars an ounce. Currently, I mean, it's, look, I've got my screens up here. We're not even at one thousand nine hundred dollars yet. So hey, Nick, do the government. Yeah, go on. I wanted to ask, like, while you before we go into the gold, I mean, what happens? You've kind of laid the landscape on uh, you know, the pensions and, and the problem and, and them waking up. I love the allocation with the numbers there. You know, yes, they would basically buy up the entire physical market or and paper market. Um, you were uh, uh, per your just your your recent point. But what happens if you do nothing and you just leave your pension? I mean, is is there any guarantee, or is this just they? It's at the uh, risk of being seized and and disappearing. The answer is we don't know. Jennifer, that people would not be able to get their money out. Look, we've seen bank runs in the past. Who's to say it can't happen to people's pensions? Because ultimately, you don't have control over it at all. The government do. They can do whatever they want with it. And that's when people keep piling their money because of the tax relief that they're receiving into pensions. And the government well, give with one hand and they take with the other because uh, they want you to put your money in there. They want to lock it up. So look, if they want to just close them down and stop you taking your money out, they can. Of course they can. Um, naively, people think that's theirs, but it's not. Yeah. And, and am I right to think that by, you know, holding it in fiat and, and while they're currently debasing a currency that, you know, is on the brink of collapse or on life support? I mean, how long it drags out, we don't really know. Mm. Uh, holding whatever you have in, in pounds and dollars um, isn't nearly as valuable as if you had it in physical, uh, you know, gold. 
because what's the point of having it, even if you have access and it's worth nothing, right? Absolutely. If you just call it sat in cash, it's even worse because, yeah, the inflation figures are sitting, the real ones, if you want to go back to the 1980s and do the calculation then before the government started playing with the figures, probably sitting at 16%, maybe even higher. So if you leave it in cash, sat there doing nothing, I'm not rubbing salt in the wound, but in five years' time, if you hadn't taken any action at all, it'd be worth less than half because inflation compounds. It's like compound interest, but in the opposite direction. So you can't keep it in cash either, Jennifer. You can't put it in the equity market. The bond market's looking incredibly risky, although it never used to be. You can't leave it in cash. Where else can you put it? Um, I'm not saying gold's a panacea for everything, but it's the best of a bad bunch if you want to refer to it as bad because you can't put it in anything else. And let's assume for just hypothetical sake that, you know, these pensions, first of all, is there anything to stop these pension companies for taking 1% or, uh, you know, whatever you said in your example earlier, was it one, per, you know, a portion of their percentage in holding in gold? Is there anything stopping from that? No, there, there's nothing. Look, there is a race to the bottom with fees. Um, it's Sometimes it's 2%, sometimes it's 1%, but it's all very opaque because they just trade in and out of the market making spreads off it. Can't do that with gold. So, look, I, it wouldn't surprise me if, if they all start offering everything for free, but then if something's free, you're the product. Nothing in life is free, ever. Um, I become very suspicious of the pension companies when everything's described as no fees. I mean, you've got a lot of brokerage accounts displaying no fees. But why are they charging you no fees? It's because they're selling your data to the smart money. They're selling all your data to the hedge funds that are front running all the trades the pension companies are putting in. It's criminal. Is it a matter of asking these companies, uh, you know, going back to the pension companies directly and demanding uh, gold, physical gold? I mean, is well, there a way the, the thing is, structure you, so. you could, you could try and demand it, uh, Jennifer. We, we've gone out there and probed them all in the past, but they're just not interested. None of them are. Okay. Um, you, what you have to do, of course, is set up a SIP, so a self-invested personal pension plan, and do it yourself. So take it out of their hands, take control and autonomy over your own pension, which most people don't want to do because like, it is a bloody nightmare. I hate bureaucracy. I hate box ticking. You've got to fill out so many forms and the whole process takes about six to eight weeks if you're lucky. But that's all part, partially by design as well, because they don't want people taking huge sums of money out. Um, they want it to be kept locked away. Um, they know what's going on. The governments know what's happening. Uh, of course they do. Um, the governments are starting to hoard physical gold, Jennifer, not the pension companies at the moment. Um, but what the governments are also doing is starting to bring in stealth taxes on people's pensions too. Um, like, like I mentioned earlier, I mean, Brown did it before. Um, they can definitely see what's coming. And look, I don't want to bore you all to death again with, with numbers, but um, they, they've just introduced, on Monday it was, um, another potential tax that, that, that nobody even knew about. I didn't even know about this until two days ago, which is why I messaged you. Um, but on Monday... Uh, Basically, I think it was the Institute of Fiscal Studies or something like that. They brought this blueprint for, for, for called better tax treatment for, for pensions. I know it sounds very innocuous and dull, but the new suggestions are even to get rid of your 25 percent tax free drawdown as well. I was shocked when I saw that. So 
because what they do, they, they don't think it's fair that the people that have put the most money in there, the richest people that have been on 250 grand a year or whatever, they've managed to get more tax relief. So you think, right, we're going to nobble you for that too. So you're only going to be allowed to have a 25% tax-free drawdown on your first 400K. Um, so that's, that's something else they're changing. Um, it's just a massive own goal by the government, as that's one of the only saving graces for people with their pensions in the UK. Uh, and, of course, two years ago, they've also bought another cap. Um, everyone, everyone that I speak to, including a couple of members of your audience as well, Jennifer, they seem to think that, OK, I'm going to put all my money into a, into a pension. It's capital gains tax free. All the upside is great. So even if I quadruple it, I make myself six million pounds. It's all going to be tax free. Well, that's wrong now as well. Um, and, and look, just to run these numbers, very boring, um, but I, I've got some numbers up on my screen here. So that, that the average UK salary what, is £30,000 at the moment. Um, and pensions are, look, they're an opt-out scheme. Most people have got them because they can't be bothered to, to, um, to opt out. So eight out of 10 people have got them. You're automatically included. And the minimum contribution at the moment is 5% for you and 3% for your company which is what, cumulative 8%. So 8% of £30,000 is what £2,433. I've got it written down. Um, or £203 a month. Now, if you start at 21, which most people don't, um, with £203 a month, with look, let's say a 9% return, which is what we've been seeing uh, over the last 30, 40 years. Um, over 47 years, you're, you're going to have a pension pot of 1.8 million. And look, I can imagine a lot of you are probably there thinking that is a lot for the average salary sorry, um, or minimum contributions. It sounds great. But again, there's another catch that they've introduced. So a couple of years ago, the, the government bought out something called a lifetime allowance for pension savings. Um, and what it says is, you're going to pay tax if your pension is worth more than, I think it's 1,073,000. Now, don't forget the figures that I just gave you are for the average job at the lowest contribution with no pay rise in 50 years, the very bare minimum. So what happens to any amount over that amount now? Well, you guessed it, they're going to tax it again. So any amount that you try and take out, they're going to above that limit. They're going to charge you 55% tax on um, above your, your 25% tax-free lump sum. But a lot, what a lot of people think as well is, look, I'm going to be clever. I'm going to take my pension out as an annuity. So monthly, any amount above that threshold, again, the one million and seventy thousand, they're still going to charge it at 25% tax. But wait for it now. They're going to charge income tax on top of that 25%, we're just cheeky bastards. It's unbelievable what they're doing. And that was complete, that was introduced through the back door on a really untransparent basis in the hope that no one's going to notice because yes, pensions are bloody boring. Um, so they are really, they're rejigging the whole thing. Then the pension companies aren't holding gold. No, the government are basically going after private individuals with, by extending um, the, the time it takes for you to retire. Um, and, of course, increasing the tax limits. And no one's aware of it at all. It, it's criminal. They just keep kicking the can down the road all the time. And that's why I'm saying to clients, if you haven't taken your 25% tax-free drawdown out of your pension yet, and you are planning on getting some exposure to gold, 
do it and put that into bullion coins that you take delivery of or you keep in a separate vault, wherever that is, whether it's with us or anywhere else, because there's no capital gains tax on coins at all. You can sell them whenever you want. You're not restricted into keeping it in your pension. And it's not costing you a thing because you're not paying pension fees either. So that's something that has come up a lot over the last couple of months. Um, and I think that's that's another thing that anyone that is considering um, getting out of this Ponzi should, should, should look at. So, Nick, you were saying 25% drawdown. Uh, is that yearly? No. So basically, Jennifer, when, when people... Yeah, when people hit 55 in the UK, they can take a tax-free lump sum. This was in 2006 they introduced this, I think. They can take a 55, um, 25% tax-free lump sum out of their pension. They can do whatever they want with it. You can buy a new Ferrari, whatever. Uh, but after that, everything you've got to keep in there until you retire. Um, so I, I've had a lot of people calling up and just saying, look, I want gold in my pension, but I've just taken my 25% tax-free um, drawdown, which is great. So then you can buy physical gold take delivery of it, sell it whenever you want, and, and you're not going to get taxed above a certain threshold like, they, like they're doing with everyone's pensions. So, um, yeah, I, I'm not quite sure how the system works in America. And if I don't, don't really deal with, like, IRAs and things. But um, Have they yeah. increased the retirement age as well? They are. They are increasing it up to 68 by 2027, 2028. I, I can't remember it off the top of my head, but, yeah, it, it's going up again going to be 67 soon um they just keep upping it and upping it and upping it and of course the average life expectancy now is what 82 i think um so they just want to keep people on this hamster wheel as long as they possibly can bleed you dry for as much money as they can and then just hope that you die you're not um basically sat there on the welfare state they want to work you into the ground that's the aim and what is the what is the penalty if if someone was to just take it as a lump sum, or does it vary between companies? Look, I'd never encourage anyone to do that. I have had people do that in the past. Um, they whack you for fifty five percent immediately. So you're not even going to get half of what your pensions were. Um, and they basically because they've given you tax relief that's gone into that, they they hit you with it. Um, but some people, they, they realize the game's up and they, they just want to, they do do that. I, I wouldn't encourage it. I'd never encourage anyone to do that. Sometimes it's very, very reckless. But then again, if you do run the numbers, you realize this cannot carry on. This demographic crisis means that there's not enough young people coming up. Look, most I'm in my late 30s. Everybody below me, even, they are so saddled with debt, student debts, credit cards. They can't get on the property ladder let alone buy bloody equities and bonds um, of uh, older people that are looking to retire. Of course they can't. They've got no spare income whatsoever. And that's why pension contributions amongst the lower, well, the, the younger, sorry, um, are falling dramatically, really, really dramatically. Um, they're, they're going through the floor, actually. I think, look, I, I did have a statistic, obviously, I can't remember off the top of my head, but I think there's a million households now who have stopped their contributions entirely in the under 40s and that totals about 1.2 billion so it's no one's got enough money to, to put in the pension industry anyway so eventually you're going to end up with this huge huge gap um that, that needs to be filled and, and of course that's just more tax out of people with their existing pensions if there's anything even left in them in the first place like, look i know it's all very doom and gloom 
but people are being encouraged it's like it's like a snare they 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 want you they they dangle a big carrot in front of you and say look at all this tax relief that you're getting automatically enroll everybody into this pension scheme well something that's automatically enrolled is already a, a red flag to me anyway no you should have the choice whether you want it or not to begin with but they automatically enroll you and start taking it out because they want you trapped in that system they certainly don't want I know you can open up a SIP, but they've made it bloody difficult for you to do. And we had to jump through so many loops, even in order to work with a pension company that would allow you to put physical gold in it. Probably took Josh and I about a year um, to, to get all that set up with the regulatory loopholes and everything else. But now it gives you that life raft. Um, it enables you to buy something that's tangible, that actually exists, as opposed to some hypothetical bond that's been leveraged to the hill. Um, it's just a bet. They are betting with, with your retirement. So, yeah, not to leave it on a, a, a really bad note, Jennifer, but it, it's just the fact of the matter now. Well, there seems to be hidden taxes. They encourage, you know, raise the bar on when you can retire. And then you're yeah. holding fiat, which is debasing, you know, taking on, you know, it's doing nothing to, to protect against inflation. So, it looks like, you know, the, now with this opportunity of holding physical gold, is it an easier rollover to turn a, pe a current pension into physical gold by way of uh, your regulator regulatory agony you went through last year? Yeah, it is. It's, it's easy for people to do now. Um, they, they have to call up a SIP provider. Um, usually takes, what, 20 minutes for them just to, to fill out the online form. Um, once that's done, they get a, a call from the compliance team, of course, of that SIP company, because the regulation is so tight that people actually get the decision to do what they want with their pensions. So they'll have um, a compliance person call you up and say, just to make sure you're compass mentis, you're not a few mackerel short of a shoulder, and you're not just diving into something headfirst without doing any due diligence. Um, so once that call's over, I'll give you the tick. No one's ever been refused, obviously, um, but they have to do that anyway. Um, once that's done, they'll request the funds from your existing pension, um, whoever that's with. Um, and usually it takes about two weeks for the existing pension provider to liquidate your assets or to send your cash over if it's currently sat in cash um, and send to your SIP. Now, I've dealt with clients where it's taken six months on, a very, on very rare occasions where the pension companies, the more obscure ones, they just do not want to let go of their money. And that's already alarming as well. So. A lot of it, Jennifer, really depends on the pension company that you're, you're dealing with. Usually with the big four, you'll be fine if you can get that across. Um, and then they just send it to us. We give you a call, fill it into physical bars um, for storage in London. Um, so, yes, from, from start to finish, on average, about six weeks, two months. Oh, that's very interesting. Um, Jay, one, I see you keep raising your hand. Uh you want to ask a quick question because we were going to open the floor up in a bit. Did you say someone had a question earlier, um, Jennifer, about storage and obviously like the safety in, uh, of that? Uh, yeah, actually, there was a question um, on uh, whether holding it a vault was better than a you know a bank or a bank deposit box. Yeah. So my answer to that would be well. The company that stores all the metal is separate from us. So they're called Loomis International. Um, and everyone has their own fully allocated, fully segregated vault. 
that's got their gold in there and it's fully insured by a separate company again. So it's not kept on our balance sheet. It's not mixed in with all the other clients' gold as it is with the banks. That's something physical that exists there that we can't even touch then without your express permission. Well, yeah, how do you know it's there? Well, it's audited as well every six months. So there's a division of labor, there's a breakdown. Obviously, you're not buying the gold off the people that you're storing it with, off the people that are then checking it's there and then the people um, that are insuring it. So there's no incentive for any one of those four parties to lie. There's, there's no counterparty risk, whereas you keep it in the bank, they're responsible for everything. They don't hold the cash reserves. They're, they rehypothecate your money. They lend it out to the hilt. Um, nobody can quite prove what they've got. Um, you just got to rely on their word for it. And of course, you can have spot checks. That's what we do with a lot of people that are very, very wary. Well, they call us up and we say, right, we'll get your gold delivered. It'll cost you about 50 to 100 quid, but we'll get your gold delivered to your front door and then you can send it back to us. Depending on the amount, sometimes we send a courier out um, and then we'll just put it back in your vault again. And when that gold arrives at the vault, it sits with one of our numismatists. Um, it goes under um, one, of, one of their machines where they just weigh it all out. Um, check, obviously, that, that it is the purity that it is. That's all done under camera. They put it in a sealable little bag straight into your vault. Um, and then when it comes out, it goes through that same process again. So, yeah, in, in terms of safety and security, it is second to none. Certainly a hell of a lot safer than the bank just telling you it's there. If anyone there has tried getting money out of a bank lately, it's like the Spanish Inquisition. They won't let you have it. Yeah, that's very true. Um, I was just trying to connect with Jay. Look, we'll open the floor. Um, if there's questions, just raise your hand, pop them in the thread, you guys. Uh, but, you know, to your point about this, this um, retirement crisis and kind of this escalation, I mean, at what point do we see the kind of crumbling of the pensions? Uh, because they know get very weary of holding gold, you know, because they, they just think it's like a, a rock that doesn't do anything. So, you know, and they like seeing their pensions go up or whatever, you know. So I'm just, you know, maybe that's a two-part question. But, you know, at what point do you think we'll, we'll see... Um, Look, it's not in their interest, Jennifer, to let it all collapse immediately. Of course it's not. You never know when a financial crisis is going to hit. That's why they're called a black swan event. But it's like with Big Pharma, their interests aren't just killing you off immediately. It's keeping you alive as long as they possibly can um, with their very expensive drugs and to keep you keep kicking that can down the road until you finally pop your clogs. And, and you, it, it's not... And I think what they're going to do is drag this out before they can try and introduce their CBDC. Then, of course, what did we see on Monday? Just come out and said that we are going to have CBDCs. Basically, in the UK, they've even admitted it now. Hunt, the sniffing, oh, don't get me started. Him and Sunak both came out and said, yeah, CBDCs are, are going to come in. Everyone's going to have a, a 10 to 20,000 pound cap as to how much they can actually hold. Now, that is some dystopian Orwellian stuff. I cannot believe they've even got the audacity, the temerity to say it now. They just don't care. They're being called out for it. They just do not give a toss. Now, when that's going to happen, I don't know. Um, are, are they They're just in their infant stages at the moment, but they're being rolled out in, in other countries, um, Sweden, um, Bahamas, etc. So they are being tested. So is it going to collapse before then? It possibly could. If you asked me back in 2008, are the banks going to collapse tomorrow? I'd say no. I haven't got a bloody clue. 
Um, probably not. And then, of course, they all shut down. People couldn't get their, their money out of Northern Rock and everything else. So we just do not know when it's going to happen. That's why you need to get your insurance in place. Like, buy your insurance before the house burns down, not, not the other way around, because it's going to cost you a hell of a lot more. You won't be able to access it. And that's what we're starting to see now. So when it comes, I have no idea, Jennifer, but we're not far away from it. These crises, they, they come along cyclically. And, and it's been quite the world's, well, how many years has it been now? 14 years. Usually they come every 15, yeah, 15, 16 years, I think is about the average. So they're on the precipice of another one. That's obviously why the gold price is increasing. The Chinese um, central bank, the Indians, the Japanese, They've all bought more gold in the last three months than we've seen in 50 years. It's insane how much they're buying. Even the Croatians, in order to join the EU um, recently, or fully, they've now had to just take um, some tonnage of gold. And you've got to ask why. Why are they doing this? If it's just such a useless rock, like all the Keynesians would have you believe, um, and it just sits there and does nothing, why are the powers that be hoarding it? It's just it's an antithesis. It, it, it doesn't make any sense. And that's that, that's what we're seeing at the moment. So when they finally fill their boots, Jennifer, I think they'll allow it all to crash and burn. And then they'll have any, everyone enslaved on a CBDC of some kind. I, I have no idea. They definitely got something planned, though, and that there's going to be a reset, a new Bretton Woods style system. And those people are holding the most gold are going to be the ones that are dictating um, the new financial system, I think. And when... You were asking or you were describing the self-investment pension plans earlier. I mean, do you, is it necessary to have a gold SIP or is it just for further convenience or the best way to roll over a, another or a pre-existing pension? Uh, that's, that's a really good question. Yeah. Um, yeah versus that's a very good question. Gold. So basically, you can get the most basic one it's called a simply sip and you you can about 190 quid a year to, to roll over you can just keep basic assets in there like cash and gold that's it now you can get more advanced ones but they're going to cost you a bit more money and you can transfer over existing equities or bonds that you've already got um, and put them in there that's fine the process then does take longer um, it's, it's going to probably take you two to three months, maybe even four months, while the pension co companies collaborate with each other and think, right, I've got all of these shares, I need to send them into this account, etc. It's your most efficient and quick way of doing it. Um, it's just to liquidate everything you've got in your pension, turn it into cash, uh, and then you can put it into other assets with your SIP. But you can transfer them, it just takes longer. Um, no, there's a good question. But if you do that and you have a more advanced SIP, it's going to cost you more on a yearly basis. Look, it's nothing in comparison to what the pension companies are charging at the moment anyway. But, um, yeah, you, and then you can where, where is the custodial of that? Is that with is that with a pension company or with you? Yeah. Uh, no, with a pension company. So that would be you and the pension company. Wow. All right. Well, then, so that's one opportunity. Otherwise, then they're just buying physical gold with whatever cash they can take out of their yeah, pension. Exactly, Jennifer. If you just got available cash sat there and you're thinking, shall I put this into my pension as well to get the tax relief? I'm not saying don't do it because you can still put it into gold, but just step back and think, okay, I'm going to... They're going to prevent me from retiring at this age. They're probably going to, if we see a reset with gold, they're going to take a lot more of that growth away in tax again. I'm probably better off actually just keeping it myself um, and selling it when I want to sell it with no additional tax. So, yes, that's what I, 
it's, it's up to you. It's up to the audience which way they want to do it. But I've certainly started seeing a shift now of people not putting any more lump sums in their pension, just buying the gold outside the system um, and being done with it. Absolutely. Um, I feel like there's a lot there's a lot of uh, information that gets lost in, you know, with the promotion, the marketing that you were saying. Um, Marie has a question. Do you think moving premium bonds into a new SIP would be a good move? For a self-employed person with no pension, um, well, you can't put premium bonds in a SIP because obviously they're with the the NSNI, um, so they're completely different from um, kind of corporate bonds that the, the normal bonds that pension companies own. So I know I can see where the, the confusions come from there. But premium bonds are just with the NSNI. Everyone's got their allocation of what fifty grand, and yeah, they've started increasing the uh, the prizes on those. And, but it's because the government are getting desperate; they can't borrow from the IMF anymore anywhere else. So. Um, they're trying to encourage a lot of people to put their money into government debt. Um, and then they just entice you with a lottery and everyone gets excited about a lottery. But the chances of winning it, well, you'd have to have 50 grand's worth of premium bonds for 36,000 years before you even had a chance of winning um, the, the top prize of a million quid. So, yeah, um, you can't put premium bonds essentially in a pension. No. Let's think about like, you know, right now they're already moving the goalposts, you know, you, oh, don't retire here, retire later. Mm -hmm. And then, like you said, this kind of backhanded tax, um, you know, on this one million, more than one million. And you gave the great example of earning 30,000 a year. Um, and if they're already doing these things that kind of obfuscate or create further uh, confusion and, you know, headache as far as accessing or utilizing one's pension. What happens as, you know, the ball continues to kind of unravel, right? And and it gets worse. And that's mm -hmm. not to but this is why we're having this conversation so that there is, you know, a, kind of an opportunity to think of these things through because, I mean, even with a 55% tax, I'm just thinking, isn't it better to get something from nothing? Because who's to say there'll be any pension there when you need it? Um, yeah, if, if I was an IFA, I'd get fired for saying something like that. And I, like I said, I'm not, but I still wouldn't encourage everyone to do that. I'm, I wouldn't be allowed to say that. Um, a lot of people are. Um, well, not, not a lot, but certainly a, a dramatic marked increase from what we ever used to see. Uh, and in terms of people actually being able to transfer um, from their pensions that they're already with, even over the last year, Jennifer, I've seen that process elongate and take absolutely ages. Like I said, that guy, six months it took him just to get his funds across. Uh, the pension company, you can sell shares T plus two within two days. The pension company, if they wanted to, could probably get them to you on the proceeds on the third day. They don't. Um, they actually, uh, there's a guy... In, there's a guy that I know in one of the pension companies, and he actually said that they've now started employing um, the, these younger lads whose sole pure job is to call up clients and prevent them from transferring their pensions across, prevent them from drawing down on their pensions, because, of course, that's eating into their bread. They, they're not earning a commission on that. So they're paying these lads for 28, 30 grand a year to call up people, these elderly people that are trying to liquidate the pensions and just say, no, you don't want to do that. You're going to get taxed in this way, that way or the other way, which is not true. Um, and, and this is happening in industry wide now. Um, I've had a lot of clients that have encountered that. So, yeah, it's definitely getting worse. I mean, you can still do it, of course, but it's, def it's getting more sticky. 
Is there a way to transfer like 20% of your current existing pension? So yeah, absolutely. It? Yeah, okay. you can. Um, you, you can do proportional amounts. You don't have to keep it all in a sit by any means. You can keep it right. in both. You can keep your existing pension running. Like I said, I'd never suggest everyone just divulges out of everything and, and wax it all into gold. Of course not. Um, you can have two running concurrently. Yeah. Um, of course, you, you'll be paying two lots of fees then, but it might not be worth it for somebody that's doing that has a pension of 10 or 15 grand at the moment. But if you've got sure. a whopping great big pension, a couple of million quid, then most certainly if you want to diversify that risk too, you can. There's a minimum that you can do in gold. Um, you, you can get away with, with doing about 20 grand. Um, sometimes the SIP providers have been upping and upping it, actually, because, of course, you've got a fee with them of 190 quid a year. Now, if you've only got four or five grand's worth of gold in there and the gold price doesn't move for a year, I mean, it's just continuing to eat not eating into your capital because you can pay it from your ex, uh, your, your bank account. So you're not going to come out of your pension fund, but um, it's not really very efficient for very, very small sums. Sure. Petra, did you want to ask a question? I thank you. Can you hear me? Okay. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just forgot my question. Actually, I, I think I think it covered um, basically the basics of what I wanted to ask, but. Um, just in layman's terms, kind of, I I had a kind of a, a regular pension with with Nest um, last year, and I was made redundant, and I then um, put it into a SIP with AJ yeah. Bell, and I've put everything, uh, all the cash into uh, the Royal Mint Gold. So, yes. just in terms of like proportional kind of divesting, uh, mm. if that um if that's if that's possible what i mean yeah. what would you recommend in that kind of scenario or or I mean, how could brilliant. i is, you, is that, already is taken that action no it, yeah. it is that's much better than keeping it in anything else of course it is okay. um i mean you've yeah. already taken action to get it into gold that that's fantastic petra is that their e-gold scheme something called e-gold no. no it's not no not not to my recollection recollection with, it's not no with the raw mint, you, you've got two ways of doing it. So you've got e-gold, which is like an ETF. It's not really holding real gold, or you can all hold the real deal. So, no, that's yeah. perfect. I think no, that's that's a great idea. You've already done it. You've taken action. That's uh, that's fantastic. The only thing is with the raw mint is, yeah, it's a government-owned institution. So if they yeah, do want to exactly. go after people's things, they where's yeah. where's going to be the first place that they look there? Because essentially, you're buying off civil servants. It, it's not. It's not what you think. So, um, so what, what could I do to, could I take it out of there, get it back to, I, I'm, I'm really sorry, I'm going to ask like really naive questions. Don't, there's no stupid questions. I really have absolutely no idea because <laughs> the word, the whole world word pension is just like completely. <laughs> I know it's news first, isn't it? Just yeah. like, ugh, it's just like, don't go there. But um, yeah, I've been kind of, you know, investing in PMs over the past couple of years, but um, it's just to securitize that pension that I do have. I just want to make sure that I'm doing the maximum to protect it, if that makes sense. So could I revert it back to cash and then yeah, buy can. gold with it and then kind of store it with you guys, simplistically? Yeah, you, Would that work? yeah you can. You yeah. can indeed. I've, I've had a couple of people do that as well. Um, cause they, okay. they just they've looked into the raw mint and they think, oh, God, no. You, that's yeah. just being really, really cautious. I mean, it's the, the best alternative of all the others. 
because you're still buying gold, but you're just leaving it in the custody of the government. But yeah, absolutely. You can divest it, just put it into cash. And then if that's what yeah. you did want to do, yeah, you can. Okay, cool. Thank you. Thanks so much. Jay, do you want to ask your question? Thanks for the opportunity to ask the question. Um, sorry, I'd missed the first 10 minutes of the uh, of the conversation, so I missed next details. Will you be sharing his details at the end so we can make contact to invest with him? Oh, absolutely. I'll do it right okay. now in the thread. And the, my, my, my question, but I think he's, been, he's covered it since, was how do you invest in physical gold in a SIP? But by all accounts, you have that vehicle, Nick, so. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think if, if you'd put it up, Jennifer, I think um, yeah, it'll all be covered on there. But by all means, yeah, you can just you can email me if you like, just on um, nicholas at thepuregoldcompany.co.uk. Um, I'd be happy to set up a call with you and I can take you through it. Sorry, .co.uk. Yeah, That's it. yeah. And can I ask one it... further question, Jennifer? Um, you mentioned Nick, that you'd seen a proposal for them to limit the 25% uh, non-taxable elements of a SIP. Do you have they said yeah. when that might come into no play? And just to just to reaffirm that is not that is not enforced now the proposal came out on monday um but when it comes out from this institute they're the government usually um they're all ears because they love any opportunity and, and most of those proposals from the institute of fiscal studies are usually implemented um and, i'm not saying it's going time to be frame? we're talking six months oh, or six I've got, weeks i've got no idea. These things take months. They don't take weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Your guess Thanks. is probably as good as mine on that one. Yep. Okay. Thanks. Thanks, Jennifer. Great channel, by the way. Thank you. I was Thank just you. trying to update the uh, uh, links. I posted them to the thread. Andrew, did you have a question? Yeah. Just like to say, I've been through uh, the process with Nick and Daniel. Um, it all oh, went fairly smoothly of uh, transferring my pension to gold. Oh, wow. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Thanks, mate. No, I remember. Yeah. Yeah. We've had oh. a long chat on the phone. Um, yeah. Uh, the whole went fairly smoothly. Um, just to say the gold has been very quiet this week or by the last few hours. Yeah, it has. Not not really much going on. Usually in, on a Friday, it starts to spice up a little bit more. Andrew. But yeah, quite mm -hmm. quiet day. Oh, that's so anyone who so wants to contact me for info, I, I, I'm well, you're welcome to give me a, a shout on Telegram. Oh, thank you. Thanks, Andrew. <laughs> thank you for joining, Andrew. And also, Trace just said she, Nick was very helpful when she moved her standard life pension to a SIP and invested mm. in gold. And she feels much more confident down uh, now having a diverse portfolio. So thank you, Nick. That's so wonderful to have people here, you know, kind of sharing. Thank you. Jason, okay. did you have a question? Yeah, hi, hi, hi guys. Um, I just wanted to ask about uh, two particular funds that I've got in my um, ISA here in the UK. Um, one of them is iShares Physical Gold, uh, the ticker for that, SGLN. And the other is, yeah. like, do you have any thoughts on that? They claim to have the equivalent of money that you've got in there. I just wanted to know what your opinions on those are, please. Yeah, well, they are what they say on the tin, and they're only backed 
by the physical metal. They don't actually own it. Now, we've seen in the past um, ETFs of various different types. If you want to go back to um, China um, with their copper ETFs back in the, uh, the early mid 2000s, um, they said to everybody that they contained the metal that they did and, and they didn't. So whilst because there's no auditing most of the time with, with ETFs, no one knows exactly what's in them. And even if they do have the gold, that gold's usually being lent out to four or five other ETFs. So there are huge questions as to who actually owns them, um, because usually there's about 100 paper contracts for every one ounce that they own. So whilst they effectively do track the price of gold, um, about on average 0.65% fee, so they're very, very cheap. Um, whereas if you, it's usually about the same price as storage, actually, with us, 0.65%. Um, they track the price very efficiently, but if you're after safety and security, you won't get that with a paper contract. Um, they, they don't hold the gold that they say they do. Uh, and we've seen it happen time and time and time again, where ETFs that have been blocked, closed down, suspended for a couple of days because uh, of operational in integrity or management oversight, um, not doing the proper auditing, etc. So people are buying gold for that real safety when everything goes to hell in a handcart. Whereas ETFs are better for, for people that are just looking at trading in and out of it, banking their profits and, and then moving on to another um, equity. It's, it's just an equity that follows the gold price. And really, it doesn't actually contain the physical gold. Yes, it contains some physical gold, but does it contain enough physical gold for every um, ETF that they have? No, none of them do. So still, you've got a little exposure to gold. And if you think the gold price is going to go up, great. You can buy something that's going to track it. And trade in and out but if you want to hold something that's going to protect your life savings in the long term um they don't really cut the mustard okay and um, nick uh th thank you very much for that can i can i ask one um follow-up question please so of of someone's investable savings um how much do you think should be invested in gold or silver because i hear some people like um george gammon for example who i really mm -hmm. like listening to uh he says 10 percent uh in gold um i think he means physical gold though like yeah. so uh, it, like in my ISA, i've got quite quite a lot more than that like in gold stocks but i don't know what what your opinion might be on the percentage that should be in physical metals or or gold stocks. Look, Jason, I, again, I have to caveat it with that boring. It's different for everybody, of course. I don't understand everyone's financial circumstances. Yes, the old adage used to be be ten percent. Keep that there. But that was in times a boom when the economy is great and there's minimum inflation and there's high GDP growth and everyone's earning loads of, and spending loads. Everyone always said just keep a ten percent insurance in gold. The problem is we're now living through economic case history where we are right at the end of this inflationary cycle. Um, we are living through abnormal times, um, the likes of which we probably won't see for another 100 years until another reset of some type or another. So I've now started seeing, yes, I've seen people put 100 percent in there. I've seen people put 80 percent in there, 50 percent, 40 percent. But the allocation of no one really keeps 10 percent in there anymore. Um, that's most certainly increased. Um, at least to the people that I'm speaking with, and I know I'm probably speaking to quite a 
narrow group of people who all probably think in a particular way, very libertarian, and they don't trust the system. So maybe I'm quite blinkered in that respect. But um, mo- I've certainly seen it increase um, 40, 50, 60, 80 percent. Yeah. And then, of course, when the whole market crashes, I don't know, gold doubles, triples, it did what it did in the aftermath of 2008. Or if you hold it for 10 years and it takes that long for this to run out, like it did in the 70s. I mean, you saw a thousand percent increase in gold in a decade. Um, but if you're lucky enough to be patient and sit on it, um, the economy crashes, property crashes, equities crash, your gold doubles or triples. And you hoover up all those cheap assets um, with two or three times as much capital. And the whole cycle starts again. That's how the rich get richer. They don't just dive in immediately. They'll sit there. They crocodile alligator investing. They'll sit there for years and years and years until that opportunity presents itself. People don't become millionaires in the good times. They become millionaires in the bad times because they know how to get defensive, protect themselves, and then just take advantage of, well, like Warren Buffett said, I mean, the best time to invest is when there's blood in the streets. And that's what they do. So the amount of people that I'll speak to that, I mean, very, very wealthy people, politicians, all sorts of different people um, with significant sums of money. And when they're calling you up, putting their money into gold or bank managers as well, like people in very high investment banks, um, when they're putting money into gold, you've got to think, okay, why are they doing this? What do they know that I don't? Because these are the guys that are working on the bond trading floors, the equity trading floors, et cetera. Um, Yeah, it's, it's just timing the market right getting defensive when you need to. And of course, you sell your gold um, once everything's collapsed and, and buy everything at a, a rock bottom discount. Thank you, Nick. It's all right. I think there was one that Nick T, I don't know if you wanted to ask your question. Not to put you on the spot. No, folks. Um, t- just a question for Nick. Um, I've, I've got bullion holdings in the Royal Mint, just to carry on from that other lady's question. Is it possible to move um, uh, bu- bu- bullion in the form of coins straight into Loom or with you guys? Or, or, do, you, or do you have to sell it first, uh, liquidate it, and then, and then buy after the game with you guys? Good question. We can do it. Um, we can transfer it directly. If this is outside of a pension, yes. If it's in a pension, no. Um, so if you've got gold, I don't know, just sat in a private vault, you've got coins, which I presume you can't put coins in a pension. So if this is a, so if this is a private vault, the answer is yes. So what we'll do is you can come and deliver them down to our vault um, or we can arrange for them for you to come and just send them to us, raw mail, special delivery, tracked and signed for. We'll insure at our end um, and then we can get a vault set up with us. Yeah. Okay, awesome. I've, I've, I've sent you a, a LinkedIn connection. So just if you can just connect with me. Uh, when you get a chance, I, I can chat to you about that tomorrow, the next few days. Yeah, of course. Excellent. Thanks. Nick, did you have a question? Thanks uh, for this. This is really good information. So thanks for taking the time, both of you. Um, I just wanted a couple of quick questions, if I may. One was regarding the XPS SIP. I was just trying to make sense of the various terms and conditions. Did you mention that this Simply SIP is perfect? You don't, no need uh, to go that, that's the, the basic one that they go for. I'm not even allowed to say their name over the phone because that's um, that would be cons- <laughs> that's considered now in the industry um, was considered yeah financial guidance, and I'm, well, obviously you're not allowed to do that. But yeah, if you go away and research who you want to find out, um, you, you can see that on that. I'm not trying to be unhelpful. I just have to be 
as cautious as I possibly can be, given the nature of the regulation now in the industry. Okay, I understand. Thanks. And the other thing was, where did you again? I guess it's a similar answer, really. But with regards extra, you know, sort of additional payments into a pension, you're suggesting that it's probably pointless, and you're better off taking the hit on the tax and just investing that money in bullion or some other gold. Again, I, I wouldn't be able to answer that one for you, but I just say run the numbers and think, okay, I am getting tax relief on this when it goes into the pension, um, fine, but are they going to take all that profit off me sometime in the future and then dictate to me when I'm allowed my own money rather than I don't, not getting enticed by that big dangling carrot, that big lump sum initially, maybe having a smaller amount of gold, but keeping control over it yourself and creating your own private um, nest egg that you can bury underneath the floorboards that you're not going to get charged an annual fee from from the, the pension companies so no I, I, i'm not allowed to say look do this do that you should be putting into a pension you shouldn't be putting into a pension everybody is different but um it's just something to to maybe look back step back and think oh that is a possibility um why am i automatically being enrolled into something that i don't even know where it's invested i don't know when I'm going to be able to access it, am I going to be dead before they allow me to have it? So it's it's just worth thinking about. Okay, thank you. All right, hey guys, I'm I'm moving down the list. There was a there was another one that I missed. I, if I missed you, just request again, and I'll um, give you the floor. So Sarah, did you have a question? Um, yes, uh, I did. Thank you. It's regarding, I'm, I'm in a university pension scheme and I don't know, am I able to move that out? I, I just, I'm not quite sure whether I can or not. I'm only, uh, only 47. So it's young I'm in this not... day and age, Sarah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. You, you should be able to, if you just call them up, like your HR person at the university. Um, I can't see any reason why you wouldn't be allowed to, but um, yeah, you just say, look, I, I want to be with this pension provider. Can I just have my annual contrib contributions going there or my uh, okay. quarterly contributions, whatever it is? Okay, that's good to know. I think I might actually just contact you off. I'll, I'll link in with you as well. But thank you. That's great. Thank you. Yes, everyone. If you want to connect with e Nick, his email is in the thread of in the, the last thread we did. So, Jay, did you have another question? Yeah, I did. Okay, um, Nick, um, what's your what's your view on the government introducing constraints on holding gold, and you know, in some form of um, you know, inability to trade it in the future? Because obviously, you know that people are investing in it. That's question mm -hmm. number one. And question mm -hmm. number two is, what's your view on silver and gold? Hello. What? Sorry, I, I missed the last bit there. Was it? What's my view on? Oh, no, I'm so sorry. No, sorry. Well, just, just to answer the first question, then, if it's popped out, Jennifer, yeah, the government sure. have done that before. They've, they've stopped people um, transacting in gold. FDR did it. Um, it becomes totally unenforceable eventually because people just take delivery of it and they can't send people around, bully boys, to, to <laughs> figure out where it is, the gold Gestapo. It can't happen. And like with anything, when you ban people holding it, just like with alcohol, um, it the price of it actually goes up and extra dramatically so as well like with prohibition for example so when you try and ban something people want it more the price goes up 
it would be totally unenforceable. But when they have tried to ban it, it's always the institutional gold and the bank's gold that they can access very easily and seize, which makes up the majority of gold holdings anyway. Um, it's not the private individuals that they go after. And I'm not saying that they couldn't. And in history, we've seen people put um, caps, transaction limits on how much you're allowed to trade on a daily basis. So that's why I say to clients, if you are taking delivery of gold, don't just buy one great whopping piece. Buy lots of little bits, because then you've obviously got that divisibility and that flexibility. And if they say to you, nope, you're not allowed to transfer any more than I don't know, 3,000 or 5,000 pounds worth of gold in a day, well, you can still stealthily get under that limit. Okay, and did you say you can't hold coins in a SIP? No, you can't hold coins. No, the, the government won't allow you to do that. It has to be gold bars. Okay, and the next part of the question was silver and gold um, miners. Do you have any view on diversification, if you can oh, call gosh. it that, into, into miners I, or not? I, 10, 15 years ago, I used to I dabble in that market. I probably invested in every single one of them. Um, they are so, so risky. I got my, I got burnt with them. I know so many people in the industry that have been. Um, they're exposed to geopolitical risk because they're all in such odd places, a lot of African countries, South American. The governments can just seize the mine, tax it to infinity, the, the company goes under. Very, very, the level of debt in the mining industry is also huge. Um, so they're always paying that off, which eats into their profits. Um, at the moment, the gold price isn't higher enough, high enough for them to get too much more of it out the ground because it's just not there. There's only a finite amount of it. So that's coming down on their profits. Um, management integrity. I invested in a company and it turned out that he was doing backhanders with some regulatory authority, fined the company and it collapsed overnight. So why would you want to take so many risks in a very high risk industry and sector when you can just buy gold anyway, and gold on its own has got so much upside potential, but you've also got the safety there anyway. So that's why I always say miners are exciting. I know people get very, if you can 10x your money in the space of six months, brilliant, but only one in a hundred of them ever do that. So I'd be very, very careful of them. Unless you're going for the big ones like your Barrick and your Newmont, et cetera. Even they though aren't performing very well at all. They're performing dismally. Okay, well, Nick, there was a question on the thread from Marie, if you're going to hold it physically yourself, what would be the mm -hmm. largest bar size you would hold? Or would mm -hmm. you stick with the Britannia's? The price is likely to drop. Stick with, yeah, I wouldn't hold bars personally because they're not tax-free because they're not considered legal tender. So they're going to charge you 20% capital gains tax on them. So I'd never hold bars outside of a pension. I'd always go for sovereigns Britannia's because those are the only ones that are tax-free. Um, the largest size that you can get is like a quintuple sovereign, which is just a bit bigger than the Britannia. It's about the size of an Olympic medal. Um, there are some kind of collectible ones out there, but we, we don't deal with that. Um, the smallest size you can get is one that's called a quarter sovereign, and it's about the same size as a five pence piece. So anything in between, really. All right. Well, that's, yeah, that's helpful. Uh, George uh, asks, can anything be done with a public sector pension? It's very difficult, almost to the point of impossibility. Um, probably not, no. Um, they, the government make it so monumentally difficult for you to do. I, I've, I've never done one. 
I'm not saying it's impossible, but I've never done one. That's interesting that they would make it so difficult. All right, Neil, yeah. Neil Farrow, do you have a question? Uh, yeah, quick question from me about capital gains tax um, within a tip, with gold bars inside a SIP. Do they yeah. are they free of CGT as they, if they grow in value? Well, they are technically free of um, CGT in a pension, or they were before. Obviously, the government brought in these new rules. So now they've introduced something, as I was saying earlier in the um, in the recording, whereby if your pension goes above the value of a million and seventy thousand pounds, or seventy thousand one hundred pounds, um, yes, they're going to charge you twenty-five percent on all the profits, so more than capital gains taxes at the moment, and income tax on top of that. Um, so, not people always used to think, oh, everything's capital gains tax-free. Well, it was until they've introduced this cap now on it because they think, you know what, you only need a million and seventy thousand pounds for your retirement. Um, you don't deserve any more than that, even though you've been contributing towards it, which is absolutely criminal, but they just want to find a new way to, to milk the system. So the answer is yes, it used to be, but it, it's no longer um, once you hit that threshold. Okay, but, but under those caps, you're, you are free. From oh, it those. is. You are free. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. All right. Thank you. All right. Mark. Mark Williams. Yeah, yeah, hi. You know what? Thanks for doing this, Jennifer. This is really um, helpful. Um, Nick, thanks for coming on. A uh, couple of questions. You said something about the government not liking or wanting people to hold gold coins. I've heard different things said about that. Um, you know, be wary of the bars because they can be a bit dodgy. Go for coins. You seem to be saying something different. Um, no, no, go, you go for coins. Absolutely. You always go for coins. They're private, they're capital gains tax free. If you're doing that privately, yeah. I'd never recommend you go for bars. The thing is, in your pension, you have to legally put it in bars. You can't buy coins in it. Okay, cool. How much of what you're saying right now is in your guide? Because I've got your guide. I just haven't got around to reading it yet. Oh, God. Um, a lot of it. Maybe some of the most recent statistics probably aren't. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. Fast forward. The government f lose their minds even further, right? We can't touch the banks. Um, people have got gold stashed, put down, whatever. How do you see that unfolding as far as people being able to use it? Um, oh, look, it depends whether you think we're going to enter a zombie apocalypse or not. Um, is there a possibility that it all, all really collapses? Yes, there is. Is the percentage mm -hmm. that small? I think so. Um, now, every time we've seen in hyperinflationary melt-ups in the past, whether it's Weimar Germany or Zimbabwe, um, Argentina, etc., what do people always end up trading between themselves is gold, small amounts of it. Um, it's the only thing that, that's worth anything. They don't trade silver, they trade gold. So if that ever happens, I'm not saying we're going to go back to a barter-like scenario, not, not kind of doomsdaying and projecting that, but if it ever did happen... Um, well, yeah, people always resort to the only real money that we've had for the last 3,000 years. You take a tiny little gold coin and back in the day, it would buy you a, a suit of armour if you were a knight or a senator, his garb in Rome. Now it will buy you a Armani suit. It's always kept its kind of purchasing power throughout time. Uh, and for that reason, when fiat currencies become worthless and nothing, 
um, obviously people resort to the real deal. Okay. It's the same with Rome. Oh. In the fall of Rome, what they did is they started sniffing a denarius as they were getting invaded by all these barbarian tribes. And they thought, oh, okay, how are we going to hire more soldiers? We haven't got the gold. We'll start clipping our existing currency. So they kept melting it down, melting it down, melting it down to nothing. Um, it's like a fiat currency. And then they just refused to fight and the whole empire collapsed. That was one of the main reasons that led to it. So every fiat system throughout history, as soon as they come off a gold standard, they all collapse. It's just a matter of how long it takes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Thank you very much. And can you post your email in the chat? Or... It's in there. It's in the thread, Mark. All right. Um, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. All right. Please. Cheers. Great. Yeah. If you, and anyone that wants to email me as well, like I can, um, I can answer your questions that way. Or if you want just to chat for, for kind of 20 minutes, half an hour, like give, give me a call. Nicholas at puregoldcompany.co.uk. Yeah. Uh, oh, it's the Pure Gold Company. Yeah, footforwards.co.uk. You just email yeah. me. I'll I'll get back to you. Nicholas at the Pure. It's written in the thread, you guys. Flora asks, "What's the best silver and best gold silver ratio?" Um, oh gosh, it's fluctuating around all over the place at the moment. Um, <laughs> traditionally, it used to be sixteen to one. I mean, we saw it get all the way up to ninety-two to one recently. So, um, look load your boots with silver um, outside of a pension. You can't put silver in your pension either. But when it's this low, yes, it is starting to rise. Look, silver, it's so volatile. And it can also go through periods of being really boring as well, where it just won't do anything. Um, But in big hyperinflationary events, um, as long as you don't end up with a complete and utter economic collapse, it can actually outperform gold. Um, Like in the 70s, like I said earlier, gold went up a thousand percent at the end of the decade. Silver, I know it's going to sound really silly. It went up 2,600%. So you put 10 grand in there and it ends up being worth 260, basically. And it sounds ridiculous even saying it on the phone. Um, again, obviously, people are buying metals for safety and security. But when a silver ratio is this low in comparison to gold, I mean, it's, it's usually a bullish sign that you're going to see it shrink. And do you recommend stacking by um, buying silver to then convert in gold later? No, not for delivery, um, Jennifer. No, it's because in the, in the UK, they're charging VAT. So I've had clients in the past that have bought silver if you take delivery of it. You try and sell it back and then you're down 20% in VAT because obviously they needed their money in six, 12 months, whatever it was. And they can't, it just seems so unjust to them. Obviously, we can't pay the VAT. The clients have to pay the VAT. So that's only if you take silver for delivery. If you keep silver stored in a bonded vault in Switzerland, in Zurich, it's not in UK jurisdiction, you can avoid the VAT on it as well. So I'd always say if you're stacking silver, don't take delivery of it in the UK, keep it stored. And yeah, you're going to pay, what, a a percent, 1.2%, depending on the amount that you do in that vault. But I mean, you're still going to save money, even if you hold it for 12, 15 years. So I wouldn't recommend taking delivery of silver. It's a real... It's a bastard to, to store. It really is because it takes up so much room if you've got a significant amount of it. Ten grand's worth of silver is, is heavy. Um, and, of course, you lose 20% to the government. So, yes, look, if you want to do this for the long term, store the silver, stack it. If you want to convert that into gold later on, by all means, we just do a straight swap for clients. That's easy to do. Um, but not if you're taking delivery because you're just going to lose money. It's really interesting. 
Um, listen, I, I love having you on and I hope this was valuable for everybody listening at home. Well, thank no, thanks. It's, it's always nice speaking with you, Jennifer. Um, like I said, if you've got anyone's got any questions or if you want to make any inquiries, you've obviously got your link, Jennifer. Um, you've got my email as well. And um, yeah, it's, it's been a pleasure. Yeah, thank you guys. If any, if we've missed any of your questions, write them down. Again, we, we just put the direct link to both the website and to Nicholas uh, in the thread. And if you come up with any further questions, let us know. We'll have them back on. Oh. One thing that's worth noting on there, if they use your link, uh, well, actually, if they email me and say, look, I, I know Jennifer, um, or if you use that link as well, um, you do get a preferential rate of storage for your pension. Um, oh, and for your silver. So that's, and it's not much. It's only going to save you 100, 200 quid, but it, it helps. Hey, cool. <laughs> Listen to that, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah, so use the link now. Anyway, guys, <laughs> for joining us, and um, we will have this up on Podbean uh, to listen back and share with a friend. If you know someone that needs help with pensions or they're looking for uh, further opportunities with medals, up next to line. Thank you, guys. Yep. <laughs>